Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's 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 delve in. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures. And um, the thing that I really I, I want to ask you some questions just so I can kind of get a survey. OK. Raise your hand if you would say I am a new believer, meaning I've not been saved long. Um, I just kind of sort of just started my journey. And so I am a new believer. I've been saved maybe less than six months, less than a year, but I'm, I'm a new believer. Raise your hand. All right. I might need you to stand, but I see you back there. Okay. So I'm a new believer. All right. So for all of our new believers, I want you to understand that your journey to spirituality starts here where we're starting at today. Okay. It starts here. Where does new believers start at? They start here. They start here. Okay. Raise your hand if you say, I'm stuck. So I've been in church all my life, but I don't necessarily feel God or understand some of the things. It's just not, I'm not really grasping it. So sometimes I just feel like I'm stuck. Raise your hand if you say I'm stuck. All right. Good, good, good. It's all right. Wherever you at, it's all right. Good, 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 good. Okay, good. All right. So your journey, your journey for spirituality starts here. So where we're starting at today, that's where your journey, your journey starts here. Where does your journey start at if you're stuck? Here. It's going to start right here. It's going to start right here. It's going to start right here. All right. Raise your hand if you say, I would say I'm a sideline. I'm tired. I've done all the programs that y'all told me to do. I got the T-shirt, the mug, the book bag, and everything else. So I'm just saying it's about time I just sat out. I'm just going to sit on the sideline. I'm a sideline. How many sideliners we got? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I love y'all honesty. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Okay. For my sideliners, I'm going to tell you, your journey to true spirituality starts here. So it's going to start here, right where we at today. That's where, that's where you're going to sideliners. You're going to start right here. You're going to start. Where you going to start at? Where sideliners starting at? Right here, right here, right here, right here. Okay, okay, okay. So here, if you say, I am a mature Christian. <laughs> My relationship with Christ is at the center, and so I'm, I'm good on this. I'm a, I'm a mature Christian. I'm a mature. If you're a mature Christian, raise your hand. Let me see if you're a mature Christian. Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed if you say you're a mature Christian, you're a mature Christian. Okay, good, good, good. So mature Christian, let me tell you, your pathway to true spirituality starts here. <laughs> starts right here. So it does not matter where you are at in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Everybody today is going to start Oh, we're going to start right here. We're going to start right here. We're going to start right here. And we're going to do this thing together. Because what you're going to find is if you're a new believer, the thing you're going to discover is you're going to discover how to start. 
And that's going to be beautiful, right? Because you've probably heard some things. You just don't really know. This is all fresh and new to you. So now you're going to get the hows, things that some of us didn't get when we first accepted Christ. So you're going to get the hows. If you are a stuck believer, you say you're stuck, you get a chance to restart and learn some things that you might have missed on the first go round because people were teaching you religion and not relationship. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get a chance to understand. If you say that you are sidelined, right, you're going to realize the reason why you're sidelined is because you've been putting or allowing people to put programs on you, to start all over with this. I'm going to fast and do that. So you've been trying. And so you just tired. So we're going to help you to get re-energized to know you can lay all of that other stuff down and start all over again. And if you're mature and you say Christ is at the center of your life, then here's where you're starting again. You're going to start discipling somebody else to help them to get started. So if you already know and you don't have someone in your life that you're helping to start, then you really ain't mature. Oh, Oh, Charlie, they was real had the hands up high in, Dr. Frazier. They was like, oh, I'm mature. I'm mature. But when you look around, who's following you? If no one is following you, you are just taking a walk. You're not leading anyone. And true disciples disciple other people. It's just what they do. They teach them how to do it. Amen. So here's what we're going to do today is we're going to, um, I'm going to tell you where true uh, spirituality begins. I'm going to tell you what true spirituality is built upon. And then I'm going to help you to understand just some warnings, some things that we need to pay attention to. Is that all right? All right. Well, it's going to be a little topical. So I know y'all used to me getting one scripture and just reading it, but I'm going to give you several scriptures. Is that all right? All right. Let's look at First um, John 3 and 1. And this one... Michael, I'm going to look at in the NIV version. I'm going to look at it in the NIV version. So you have New King James, most of you. It's okay. The first thing I want you to understand is true spirituality begins with an accurate picture of God. The only way that you can start on this journey is you have to have a, an accurate picture of God, of who he really is. So let's read 1 John. 1 John 3 and 1 says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. I'm going to look at this again. How great, now notice there are exclamation points there. Do you see those? So it's not how great is the love of the Father. It's not that. It's how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So the first thing that you have to understand is true spirituality begins with you getting a clear and an accurate picture of who God really is. This right here was an offense almost to those of this time because they had recognized Jesus. They recognized God not as a father. 
So now all of a sudden, he's saying to them, you no longer have to deal with this religious system that puts God up high in the sky, but we want to now introduce you to a system where you say he is a father. And because he's a father, you can understand that you are his child. Now, why do you need to understand that? Because when you see God as this big old God in the sky who's waiting on you to do something wrong, oh, he's looking at you. If you're thinking, oh, my God, I did that wrong, so God must really be mad at me. He's frowning upon me because if I do good, he loves me. If I do bad, he's going to go get that switch and tap them legs. So when you see God as that person, it's difficult to have a relationship with him on the basis of fatherhood because you don't understand him to be a good, good father who loves you so much. And his whole desire is that you would just follow him and do allow him to live his life, do what he's doing in you, not what you're trying to do with you. That's a whole different perspective. How many people, when you grew up, it was pretty much all about what I can do and what I shouldn't do? How many people decided even that you didn't even want any of this until you got older and you got all your other stuff out? So you figure, you know, I want to party, you know, I want to, you know, get lit, all of that other kind. I want to do all of that because there's no way that I can follow him doing that. So you you relegated salvation to before I became an adult. How many people people ever did that? Yes. But here's the deal. When you get an understanding to know that his love is so great, he wasn't interested in creating these rules. He was interested in creating a relationship with us. And in the relationship, he says, I love you. Listen, just like your children do things that are wrong, you don't stop loving them. You don't stop caring for them. That's why I have a problem with parents who at Christmas time start taking stuff away. Why? Is Christmas and your love relegated on how they behave? Is that the case? Then you and I should never get anything. If God was really what we thought and he was saying, well, you know, okay, you act up. You ain't get, okay, you going to get the car loan? No, you ain't getting that car loan. Uh Uh-uh. You're going to get a house? I ain't giving you no house today. No, because you was acting up. You ain't getting a house. <laughs> you was in there. Oh, you was in there cussing. You was in there cussing. You was in there acting up with your husband, your spouse. No, uh-uh. I you going to the doctor today? No, I don't care nothing about how you feel. But that's not who he is. His love for us is not relegated on what we do or don't do. When you get a clear, somebody say a clear picture. Come on, look at one other scripture. Look at Matthew. I just want you to understand Matthew 6. Look at Matthew 6. Look at verses 8 and 9 because Jesus was different. He was different. He says, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you before you ask him. Then, oh God, he said, this then is how you should pray. You should pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So now he's wrecking them because their whole system was built upon religion. So that's why they ask him. See, this is what they noticed. They noticed that when Jesus went and prayed, things happened. 
They noticed that when Jesus went pray, he had this intimacy and they was like, well, wait a minute. We pray, but when we go in and pray to God, we go in with fear. We're going with this trembling. And, and sometimes we don't even go in there to pray because we think we can only go pray if we're right. So when Jesus was praying, they was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, wait a minute. You're praying like that? Well, would you, could you teach us how to pray? He says, I'll teach you how to pray. This is how you start. You start with our Father. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem sometimes we have. If your natural father was not good to you, then you start equating or comparing what your natural father did or did not do, his presence or his absence, with God the Father. But can I tell you something? They are not alike. Your natural father has flaws and your natural father has times when he won't get it right or he didn't get it right or he was relegated to the relationship he had with your mother and so didn't do whatever. Or maybe he came out of a way that was violation. But the reality is that's not who God is. So we got to get a clearer picture of who God is as father. Somebody say father. See, the thing that we have to understand is that God has a dream for all of his children. When he allowed you, Rhonda, to be birthed, he already had a dream of what you would be. He already knew what you would be. He knew how you would serve. He knew he designed you a particular way because that's what he wanted. When he created you, Bill Hudson, he knew. He says, listen, I want him to serve the people. I want him. I put this in him because that's my dream and my desire. You and I have done this before with your children. They grow up. Listen, when they're first born, you say what? Oh, I want them to be a doctor. I wouldn't mind if that boy could play some ball now. I know they say it's one in a million to get there, but if he could get there, boy, I'd be happy. Ain't nothing wrong with it. You have a vision and a dream for that child of who you want them to be. The same thing with you and I. God has a dream for us. He has a vision for how he wants us to be, and he's not mad at you. That very thing that's pulling and tugging on your heart that you want to get out and you want to do, it's because he put it in you. You wouldn't have it if he didn't give it to you. Because just like a father, he desires that you grow up. And when you grow up, you be who he wants you to be. So you say, well, who does he want me to be? Who does he want? He wants you to look like him. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, 18. It's all about the dream. He said, it's all about the dream, Gerard. He said, you, you're searching, you're trying to find. He says, I already know who I want you to be. And I already put in you everything you need to be that. So you don't have to try to figure it out. He said, I want, I know who I want. So when you try to suppress this or don't do that because a person doesn't like this or a person doesn't, it doesn't matter what they like or don't like. You just got to get in the sweet spot where you can carry out everything that he already put in you. Does that make sense? We ain't going to do too much hollering. I want y'all to understand. Somebody say, got to get it. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being what? Transformed into 
his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So he says, I'm trying to transform you because I got a dream for what I want you to be and where I want you to go and how. And listen, I'm not even asking you to do it on your own. I'm telling you that the spirit, not by might, not by spirit, not by power, but by spirit. I'm telling you, the spirit of the Lord is inside of you and he's trying to do the transformation to bring it out. So he says, true spirituality is when you can get an accurate principle or accurate picture of who I am. That's why when we live in ways that are not in accordance with that, he is grieved. So that's what you feel because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. So when we carry out, when we live lives that are contrary to that picture, it's the Holy Spirit in you that's grieved. Hmm. So true spirituality begins what? With an accurate picture of God. you got to know who he is. You, you, listen, listen. If there's anything that I can help you to understand, I will want you to know he is your father. And he's not your earthly father. Get him out your mind. Don't equate. Don't put them on the same. They're not the same. He's on a whole nother level, like the young people say. That's on a whole nother level. I know I forgot the A off. He's on a whole nother level. Here's the next thing. True spirituality is built on the principle of relationship. Is built on the principle of relationship. I know. Look at Matthew 22. Look at Matthew 22. Look at verse 37, 38, and 39. Look at Matthew 22. See, this is, remember we said we're going to learn what Jesus said and what Jesus was doing, right? Jesus replied, he's talking to them, and he said, look at verse 36 so that you can get the context of it. Look at 36 so you can know what he's replying to. Look at 36. They asked him a question. They said, teacher, Rabbi, which is the greatest commandment of the law? See, the issue was there were over 600 commandments. It was about 613 commandments. So imagine this. Imagine this, Michael. Imagine you got 600 laws that every day you got to follow. So you're trying, to, you're trying to figure all this, and you got 600. You can't even remember what they are. You got the book. You got the scroll. You keep trying to look at and you're trying to figure out, how, how do I do? It's 613. So they said, Jesus, tell us. Out of all of these rules and all of these laws, all of these do's and all of these don'ts, would you just help us to understand which of these is the greatest commandment? What is it that you really want us to do? And Jesus replied, he said, this is all I say. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then look at verse 39. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
He says, you want to know what to do with all those 600? I'm telling you, they're boiled down to two. If you can get the two right, he says, then you can live. You won't be trying to focus on religion. If you just get the two, look at, look at the two, look at the two. The two, the first one has to do with your relationship with him. Look at the first one. He says, love the Lord, your God. He said, if you, if, listen, if you don't get nothing else right, if you don't get nothing else, just get it right to love the Lord, your God, and love him with all your heart, with all your mind, soul, and with all your mind. He said, if you just get focused on loving me, that's all I want you to do. I'm not interested in people telling you what to watch on this and how to do it. Listen, I'm not interested in you getting all of that because if you get these two, they'll help to dictate everything else you do. If you operate out of the relationship, because they were having a problem. If you operate out of the relationship, listen, one of the most religious Christians that there ever was, Sydney, was Paul. He was the most religious and look at here, look at Philippians 3, Michael. Look at here, because when I got to tell a story, you got to see the scripture. Especially with my young people, I like them to see the scripture. Somebody said the scripture. The scripture, not the scripture, the scripture. <laughs> look at Philippians 3, look at verse, verse 4, look at verse 4. He says, this is Paul talking. Paul, Paul is one of the most religious. But listen to what he says. He says, though I myself have reason for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, He says, I have more. He says, I have more. Look at here. Verse five. He says, I have more. He says, they said you had to be circumcised. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Didn't miss it. I got it right on the day. I came from the people of Israel. I came out of the tribe of Benjamin. Listen, he says, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. So whatever religious rules they were following, I got that. I made an A in that. He said, I aced that. He said, in regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. I didn't miss one jot, one tittle. He said, I knew all 613. I knew them like the back of my hand. If anybody asked me this, I could say, you know, the word of God says thou shalt not kill. He could not just attend. He knew all 613. He said, so if you're looking at me, I can tell you I am the best. He said, as for zeal, as a person who has zeal, you know, this passion, he said, persecuting the church, I did that. He said, as for being legalistic, man, I was legalistic. I had righteousness and I was faultless. So he said, if there's anybody who could boast and say, I did it by the rules, I was that person. But look down what he says. Look at what he says. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider it loss for the sake of Christ. He said, all of that didn't help me. Everything that Christ is talking about, none of that stuff can help me. He said, none of it. So you can't say, oh, I'm I'm, I'm in school of ministry. I went to seminary. Listen, I got a master's of divinity. I got a master's in Christian education. And when I tell you, I can put all that stuff down because when God is looking at me, he does not care. He doesn't care if you get up in the morning and you say, oh, today, you know, I did everything right today. I didn't cuss out anybody. I fixed breakfast. I was all special and nice. When I got on the road, they gave me the birdie. I just said, praise the Lord and kept dry. He doesn't care. 
He said, so if you're trying to do, it's not based upon what you're trying. He said, listen, you can't do all of that. And they were surprised. They were like, oh, my goodness. He said, because, listen, spirituality is loving God and loving people 24-7 from your heart. That's what it means, he said, to be spiritual. If you say you're spiritual and you can't stand nobody, you can't stand to be around people. You ever hear women, I can't stand to hear women say, I can't stand to be around other women. What? You're a woman. I get along better with men. What? No, you got a Jezebel, a controlling spirit, and you don't want no other woman to pick it up. Stop it. And dudes, okay, I'm going to come down y'all road too because a man could be a Jezebel too. We relegate Jezebel to a female. But anything controlling and dominating and domineering, don't want to be around anybody and do anything, God says that ain't it. Oh. So true spirituality is built on the principle of relationship. When we walk through, we, we could get fired up about this, right? But the issue is, is that we need to know the way we have to know that there is a hodo. Somebody say a hodo. There's a hodo. H o d o s. There's a hodo. In other words, there is this pathway. He says so. There is a pathway. There is a way that you get to spirituality, and it's what we're going to study when we move forward. It's in Romans 12. He said because if you study Romans 12, you understand that this is a grace-based pathway. It's all based on grace. That's why I get so mad when the enemy starts trapping people up and people start saying, oh, well, you know, I ain't going to do this because, you know, I'm just not that good. It makes me so mad because I'm like, you can never be so good. It's nothing you can do to be good. You can't. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Come on. Just look at yourself. Take out your cell phone and, and act like you can ready to take a selfie and look at yourself. Take out your cell phone. Take out your cell phone. Take out your cell phone. Look at yourself. You can take a picture of yourself if you want to. Hashtag it R12 NCCM. But look at yourself. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. In fact, you can do that. Look at yourself. You see yourself. Now I want you to say, I can't do it alone. Go on, snap a picture so when you look at that picture in there, it reminds you, you can't do it alone. It has to be by grace. And it's the only way that you're going to get there. So as we walk through, we're going to walk through a few things in, in, um, in Romans. I'm not going to deal with them all, but we're going to deal with five key relationships. You're going to deal with your relationship with God. You're going to deal with your relationship with the world. Because you're going you're to find out that the whole issue is the world is just trying to lure you away. That's all the world wants. The world is so strategic. It's trying to lure you away. And the whole goal is to get your soul away from God. That's the whole goal. So the whole goal, the world, and the world doesn't, it doesn't stop. It doesn't skip a beat. All it's doing, everything it does, it tries to pull you, pull you. It's just like this. It's just pulling you, pulling you, pulling you, pulling. The whole goal is to try to get your soul away. Why? Because what did Jesus say? He said, all I want you to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your, your soul, and your mind. So all the world is trying to do is they're practicing on, it's just like a little, it's a little bait. That's all they're doing. And just like with fishing, here you go, Holy Ghost showing you something right now, I hope you see it. Just like with fishing, there's something you won't bite on. There's something they could throw in a worm, worm don't bother you. They could throw in drinking, drinking don't bother you because you don't drink. They could throw in sex, that don't bother you because you don't want to do that. 
Green. There you go. Gotcha. And he spends his time just luring you in. Just luring you in. That's the whole tactic. So we're going to look at the relationship, your relationship with the world, your relationship with yourself. Somebody say yourself. You're going to take some more selfies before it's all over because you're going to start getting a chance to take a sober assessment and look at yourself. And I pray God frees us. Amen. And your relationship with believers as well as unbelievers. Here's the last thing I want to say to you. If we were backing up a truck right now, what would be happening right now? I want to give you a little warning. Can I give you a warning? R12 is not going to be about you trying harder. You can't try harder. You can't try harder. So sometimes when you start doing this and you look at it and you say, man, I'm missing this, I'm missing that, I'm in, and then you start setting up a new schedule, then you miss praying at 6 because you know good and well you don't get up at 6 anyway. You don't get up at 6 on a good day. So why you set 6 o'clock? If you know you get up at 715, why don't you say, I'm going to pray at 715. Stop trying to do that. But you're going to find as we go through this, R12, this whole series is not about you trying harder. Somebody say, I won't try harder. But it's going to be built upon your faith response. You got to respond by faith to what God is doing and what he's already done. Romans 12 is really a culmination of what he's already shown. Here's the thing. Write this down. In Romans 1 through 3, chapter 1 through chapter 3. Romans chapter 1 through chapter 3. All Paul is trying to show you is that we got a problem. Sin. He's just trying to show us we have a problem. Sin is our problem, and sin is what separates us from God. That's all he's saying. Romans chapter 1 through 3, he's saying you got a problem, and your problem is sin. That's what separates you. That's what keeps you from God. You got a problem. What's your problem? sin then Romans 4 through 5 chapter 4 through chapter 5 all he's trying to teach us is I got an answer to the problem salvation he says there is an answer to the problem God's solution to the problem is what Jesus did on the cross it's not your perfect life it's not about you being convicted listen it's about you understanding that Jesus paid it all all to him I owe that's all it is If you want to take your faith and just break it down, this is all it is. We got a problem. Now you need a solution to the problem. The solution to the problem is salvation. It's what he did. If you could do it yourself, you wouldn't have needed him. If you could make everything right, do everything perfect, you don't need Jesus. So he says it's a solution, and that solution is salvation. But then he says once you get saved... Romans chapter 6 through chapter 8 is now all about sanctification. So now once you get saved, I got to walk you through this process of how to live your new life. But listen, how to live your new life through the power of Jesus Christ and not on our own. And then Romans 9, chapter 9 through chapter 11 It's all about his sovereignty. It's all about living in confidence that because God is in control and because God keeps his promises, that's how I can do this. He's sovereign. So everything that you look at, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. 
That's why when Hurricane um, Irma and Hurricane Harvey came through, you know, and people were so concerned about whether this was going to be the end, the water was going to take us out. Let me tell you, I got my Bible, and I says, I know it's a lot going on right now, but Genesis 9, you said it won't be water, but fire next time. So if that's what you said, I can't get worried and frazzled about what's happening with the water because you said in Genesis 9, that's why you got to know your Bible, you said in Genesis 9 that you would not allow this to take us out. Look, come on, come on, come on. Look at Genesis 9. Look at Genesis 9. See, you need it. You need it. That's why when you see a rainbow, you ought to shout. See, the world has taken the rainbow and tried to convert it to represent something else. But God says, when I sent a rainbow, I said, I'm putting a rainbow in the sky to tell you that it might look like it's about to be over. But I can guarantee you that this water will not take you out. He says, I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between what? Me and the earth. Look, keep going, keep going, keep going. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, keep going. He says, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. So when you know this and you can understand, he's sovereign. He's not asleep. So you say, well, God, why is it you let people die? Why is it you let? Because we are in a sin-filled earth. And there are things that are going to occur. The good, the bad, and the ugly is going to happen. But you've got to have an assurance that God is sovereign. He's watching over you. And he says that he will not destroy the earth by flood. So you can rest and you can pray that God will grant wisdom and that, listen to this, when we all, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, Carol, here we go, here we go. When we all start governing our lives by those two commandments, then what happens is when people are going through the flood, they understand that God is still in control because he said the second is like unto this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when the person is going through the flood, they know they're not alone because we, God's people, come love on them and hug them and hold them and take care of them and say, just like if I was in the flood, I want somebody to feed me. So he says, if you do those two things, it shows the world who I am. And not only does it show them who I am, now you start living a transformed life. And that, my dear daughters and sons, is true spirituality. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Y'all done got me fired up. I told y'all we was just going to treach. Drop the earring and everything. You got it, no problem. And there's a little piece to it too, but that's good. So here's all we're going to do. We're going to walk through Romans 12. And in the end, you're going to know 
It's not relegated on who you are. It's not relegated on how you act and what you do and what you don't do. And listen to this. I want you to go get your kids. Go tell them to come. Tell them to come back because some of them don't come because of how you make it seem. Because you come in here and act holy, but you get home and act a fool. Your husband don't come to church because you say you got Jesus. And he say, if that's true, spirituality, I don't want it. He said, that's what Jesus, Jesus, Jesus do for you. I don't want no part. I'm good. You hear him say, I'm good. I got, I'm good. I got this. So I want you to start encouraging. I want you to start saying, you know what? I'm learning something. I'm learning. I've been doing some things wrong. I just want you to come hear it because we're going to all learn how to live a life for Christ. Amen. Amen. Give God praise. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.